I was so overwhelmed. Everything was so overwhelming. The good feelings as well as the bad feelings, even the love and the connection that I always had with Felix was so overwhelming. It was like claustrophobic. How dark did it get for you? Very dark, actually. I definitely had a few months where I would have what I've learned to be called suicidal ideation. I couldn't see any other way out. I was so lost in this box of nothingness and emptiness. And that was a dark place to be. I've I've got a baby now, like this is not normal. My name's Mimi Bouchard, founder of Superhuman, the transformational app that helps you become your future self so that you can finally start attracting more joy, abundance, health, wealth, and love into your life. And that's also my mission on this podcast. Meet people whose lives have been transformed in big and small ways, but always for the better. They tell me how they did it so that you can too. Today on the podcast, a very special super story with a woman named Gemma. After a crippling bout of postnatal depression and anxiety, this is exactly what Gemma did on the path to recovery. Hi, Gemma. Hi, Mimi. (laughs) First of all, I just wanted to say thank you for agreeing to share your story with us. By talking about it, you make it easier for other new moms to share their struggles and I'm just very appreciative for you coming on. Well, I'm appreciative for you having me because um, it's something that can be quite difficult for people to talk about, but, you know, has to be done. (laughs) Absolutely. So I want to start before you had your baby in 2021. Describe what life was like for you and your husband during that first year of the pandemic. Before having my son, um, life was really good. (laughs) Uh, Traveled a lot, worked abroad, met my now husband in Canada when we were both traveling. And then we spent some time traveling together, partially moved over to Amsterdam. So started spending more time over there. And yeah, life was really good. Our relationship was exciting and um, quite new. Um, But we were also both uh, really ready to move to the next stage. Neither of us were very young anymore. We'd lived our lives, we'd met each other and knew that they were the one. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Was Was it hard for you to get pregnant at all? Yes and no. You know, (laughs) I think that question is so relative, isn't it? It it took about six or seven months. And that is kind of what we were expecting. I was 37 at the time. So, you know, the uh, clock was ticking, so to speak. (laughs) So we did expect that it might take a little bit longer. But when you're in it, it feels like a lifetime. (laughs) Every month that goes by, you're like... Mm, okay, then, you know, we'll try again and we'll try again. And it seems to go on and on and on. So yeah, in my mind, it wasn't so long. Um, But when I was in Mm. it, it felt like quite a long time. (laughs) Right. And then once you got pregnant, what was the pregnancy like? And how was your delivery itself too? Really exciting. The pregnancy was really exciting. It was a little bit hard, mainly because of the lockdowns and the global pandemic that we were all kind of Mm. suffering with at the time. They kept lifting lockdowns and 
we thought that I would be able to see my family and kind of celebrate with them. But those times never really came. And we made the announcement over a WhatsApp video call. And, you know, those things were a bit difficult. We had, of course, internationally, it was a problem where partners weren't able to go to scans and appointments and this kind of thing. We were actually really lucky in the Netherlands because those rules were not so strict, um, but there certainly was appointments that my partner couldn't come to. And there really was the fear Mm -hmm. that when I went into labour, it might be at a time when he would not be allowed to come in with me. We just didn't really Mm -hmm. know how it was going to pan out. My due date really was in the middle of the pandemic at the height of the lockdowns. We were under curfew here at the Netherlands at the time. We were given a special piece of paper from the police to say that we were allowed to leave the house to go to the hospital. Like it was just crazy. That is so crazy. I know when you think about it now, you can't believe we all went through it, can you? It's really wild. It's wild. The pregnancy was exciting, but, you know, there was these, like, kind of underlying worries, if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, what kind of worries were there? Just the worries that I would be alone or, you know, the the hospitals were kind of working on minimum staff. That was a bit of a Mm -hmm. worry for me. What if something went wrong? What if, you know... Things like this. What if I really struggled? My family weren't able to come over. These kind of underlying COVID-related worries. Um, right. So less so related to the pregnancy or the labor mm-hmm. even, just more so related to the state that the world was in at the time. Right. So then how was the delivery when you reached that point you were in labor? Tell me a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so the labor was really long. <laughs> Uh, 36 hours I was in labor, which is just crazy wow. now to think about it. But honestly, it wasn't as bad as it sounds. <laughs> not the whole, you know, the whole time was not active labor, but I was contracting. I had planned to have a birth in a birthing center, a water birth. That was what I hoped to do. Um, But because my labour wasn't progressing as quickly as they liked, I'd Mm. been in labour for a long time, I wasn't dilating. They, what they call here in the Netherlands, like medicalised it. So they took me to the hospital to be seen by a gynecologist and that kind of thing. And they kind of uh, medically induced the labour, sped things up. So yeah, I mean, uh, the the labour itself was fine. The the delivery was fine. What I will say is, it was tough towards the end. You know, there was, mm-hmm. um, it was, of course, very painful. My son was a little bit stuck. It was, ended up being a bit medical, but nothing that I felt was traumatic at the time. And mm-hmm. as soon as they gave me him and they put him on my chest, I can honestly say I loved him from the moment I saw him, from the moment I felt him and he was there. I was completely in love with him. Wow. What's and his we name? Went home a few hours later. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. No, yeah. what's his name? I'm so curious. <laughs> his name is Felix. <laughs> Felix. That's a very sweet name. Very yeah. sweet and name. He's two now. So, he's two now. Okay. And once you had Felix and you felt him for the first time and you fell so in love with this little boy and you brought him home, what were those first few days and weeks like looking back? What can you remember? <laughs> the bubble burst pretty quickly, if I'm honest. Um, I had Mm -hmm. quite a difficult recovery. I did Mm -hmm. end up having 
and episiotomy and internal rupture, had a lot of stitching. And um, just because of the situations at the time with um, clinics and doctor's appointments and that kind of thing, I wasn't followed up how I probably would have been followed up outside of COVID. And I had a difficult recovery. I found it hard to walk for the first couple of weeks. I found it hard to even pick Felix up out of bed. And that was difficult in many ways. You know, when you're a new mum, you want nothing more than to pick them up every time they cry and hold them. And you want to go out for a walk and everything just felt so painful. (laughs) Um, And, you know, when it's your first baby, you kind of just think, it's normal or something like you've got nothing to compare it to right so I was a bit like "Mm, it's okay this is going to get better quickly but it didn't over the next few weeks and then months those difficult feelings didn't really go away for me. When did you first sense that something was wrong that this was different? I think it took me a while Going back to the thing I was saying about when it's your first baby, you kind of wonder if it's normal. Um, And, you know, there's people do talk about the baby blues and there's a lot of hormonal imbalance. And then if you have a difficult recovery, there's that to add on top of it. And before you know it, you're kind of on a downhill spiral to not feeling yourself. But you kind of think you go through a big change, things are going to get better. And for, you know, for a few weeks a few months even, I was optimistic that things were going to get better. It was only when things really got to four or five months in. Looking back now, I can see that things weren't right for quite a long time before that. But it took up until four or five months for me and my husband to really say, this is not normal and we have to do something about it. What were some of the symptoms you were experiencing? So I was very down, very, very low mood. And That's how it started. Things escalated quite quickly to anxiety and paranoia that at the time I kind of put down to being sleep deprived as well. You know, so little sleep and you're not used to it. And then things kind of became even worse to a point where I was hallucinating mainly on a night time. And something that I now know is called postpartum rage, which... I'm not an angry person and none of this rage or anger was really targeted towards anybody or anything. But I just used to shout at my partner, why are you not helping me? Why is nobody helping me? Why do I feel so alone? And I really felt this was true. I really felt like nobody was helping me. Why was this happening to me? Why couldn't I deal with it? And I was so angry at myself, I guess, <laughs> rather than anybody else. Mm. Um, and that's not in my personality. It's not in my personality at all. Mm. I'm quite a kind person, I like to think, <laughs> quite yeah. gently spoken. And so that for me was really worrying because then I began to completely lose myself. I no longer recognized who I was. And that was really, really upsetting for all of us. I felt like a different person. Mm-hmm. How dark did it get for you? Uh, It got quite dark, very dark, actually. I definitely had a few months where I would have what I've learned to be called suicidal ideation. So not necessarily where I really thought I was going to go out and do it 
in that moment, but more that I couldn't see a way, any other way out. I was so lost in this box of nothingness and emptiness. And I was so lost. I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't see that there was, I didn't understand. I couldn't see another way out of it. Yeah. So that that was a dark place to be. And it was around that time when um, I decided this has to stop. I've got a baby now, like this is not normal. Right. Uh, how old was your was Felix at this time when you were at, at your lowest? About six months he was already, five or six months. And by the time I went to the GP, I'd been feeling bad for a long time. Yeah. In hindsight, I should have done something about it a lot sooner. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. So when did you end up going to your GP? Around six or seven months. I'd been having these kind of really dark thoughts, a lot of paranoia and these like hallucinations at night. I'd been having those for a while by the time I went to my GP. And that only came, that was the first time you ever had these hallucinations was after the birth. In your life, you had never experienced anything like it. No, I'd never had any real mental health problems before. You know, low mood, Mm. yeah, stuff like could all normal stuff, yeah. Normal stuff, nothing like this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, my heart just is hurting thinking about you going through that. I'm. Thank you for sharing too, by the way. And you know, I'm sure this is so much more common than people say. Yeah. Do you know? I think that's really true. There's such a stigma around talking about these things, especially when you're a new mom. You know, you're so lucky. You have this new baby you don't want to feel like this. You know, you shouldn't feel like this. And other people, everybody around you is really happy, you know, and you think that's how you should feel. And people don't talk about it. It's amazing, actually, the amount of friends even that I have that I've kind of gone on to tell them how I've been feeling. And they've said, maybe not to such an extent, but they've said, you know, I also had a few problems or I also felt down or, you know. Right. How did this affect your relationship with your husband? Because obviously going through that postpartum rage and him being there and, you know, you yelling at him at points, how did that affect your relationship? Yeah, it was tough for quite a long time. Um, Really lucky because um, our relationship is strong (laughs) and... He's very supportive, very loving, very loyal. Um, And I tried really hard to push him away. That is one of the hardest things to recover from, actually, just to try and get back to where we used to be before so much stuff was said, so much water went under the bridge. But yeah, it definitely had a negative impact on our relationship for a while. But then coming out Mm -hmm. the other side of it, it makes you stronger, you know, it's something else you've kind of gone through together, you've come through the other side of it, and you're just stronger for it if you can survive it. You're so lucky to have a man like that because, you know, it's that, that must have been so hard to go through. How was he trying to help in the moment? He must have felt so lost and confused as well. Yeah. I mean, I think at the time it was so easy for me to forget that he was probably also feeling awful. Like I was so caught up in this dark world of my own that I almost forgot that he was potentially going through something similar, you know? And it also really affected him watching 
me being in that situation. And it's very easy to kind of, he was being very practical about things, you know, when we were up in the night, like, let me help, let me take him, you have a rest, um, you know, let me take a day off work, let me stay at home with you. He did everything he could have done. I can see that mm. clearly now. But then it wasn't enough and it didn't feel like anybody was helping me. I felt so alone. Right. And you had never experienced depression before. Did you know that this is what you were experiencing? Did you, were you aware that this was just like so different to how you used to feel? So I was really aware of the fact that I felt different. I was very aware of the fact that I felt like I'd had a personality transplant. I felt like I didn't recognize any single part of me anymore. And that was really scary. Did I recognize that it was depression? Honestly, my rationale was not very good at the time. I think more than anything, I was just angry and frustrated and I was very tired. Yeah, I think by the time I went to see the GP, I was seeing that something wasn't right. Yeah. And before we go into that and the diagnosis, what was going through your mind when you had to look after your baby during this time, when you'd look at your baby, like what what was the feeling you'd experience when you were really in the thick of it? I was so overwhelmed. Everything was so overwhelming, you know, and the good feelings as well as the bad feelings. So like even the love and the connection that I always had with Felix was so overwhelming. It was like claustrophobic. Every feeling that I had just felt like out of control, you know, the the frustration and the overwhelm and the love and the sadness and the loneliness, everything was like tenfold and hard to put into perspective. Yeah. So seven months in, you made the call to go see your GP, to go to the doctor. What prompted you to finally make that call? Yeah, me and my husband have been talking for a while that things were not well, a while, a few days, had been talking. Things weren't very normal. This particular couple of days, I'd cried a lot, nonstop. I remember I, I couldn't even sit at the dining table to eat at dinner. just wanted to cry. And at that point, I was like, I'm going to just make the call, you know? My husband was like, go see somebody. You need to talk to somebody. And I was like, yeah, I definitely do at this point because it was really affecting my functionality. I was yeah. like, I can't live like this. We can't live like this. So do you remember walking into that doctor's office and do you remember what you told them and how you described your situation? I do. And you know what? It was really scary. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I live in the Netherlands and I'd never seen the doctor in the Netherlands. <laughs> so I didn't really know wow. what to expect. There's only, I still find this strange, but there's only male GPs at my uh, GP practice. I had asked for a woman. Not that it should really matter, but I kind of just felt a bit like there might be a bit more understanding. But I had no choice, so I went to see a male GP. And I have to say, he was really, really good. I I couldn't have asked for a better response from him. I sat down, he said, like, how are you? What can I do for you? And I just immediately started crying. (laughs) And I cried for the whole appointment. (laughs) And he was just very, very kind and very understanding and said, you know, um, you'd be surprised how common this is. Um, It is fixable. You can recover from this. 
you know, it's going to be a journey. And we can start today with some medication just to try and help take the edge off the way you're feeling. And then we can move forward with some therapy. And he just said everything I needed to hear. Amazing. Was that relief when when you heard the di- diagnosis? That's the word I'm looking for. I diagnosis. Think, uh, <laughs> How did you feel? Yeah. Let's just bring some lightness to this conversation. I can't I can't speak yeah. today. <laughs> How did you feel about that diagnosis? And um and was it relief? And did he tell you immediately, I think you have postnatal yeah, depression so- and anxiety and yeah. He did. He said, I think this is postnatal depression. And, uh, you know, it's more common than you think. And you can recover from it. Those were his words. And I, yeah, I was so relieved. I just thought, okay, I can recover from it. That's what I heard. And that's what I was focusing on. And also that feeling of just, I was kind of worried that this was just me as a mom. Like, am I just this crazy person now that I can't handle it I can't do it like is this just what I'm gonna have to live with so yeah it was definitely a relief when I got the diagnosis that's incredible and your husband how did he feel yeah I went home and he was with Felix and he was like how did it go how did it go and I was like so of course so overwhelmed in the way that I was I was like I just can't talk about it right now like give me half an hour um and we sat down and we talked about it and you know he was also relieved he was really really relieved you know we can fix this this is going to get better um, yeah 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 great and bringing it now to your transformation flipping the page to a new chapter in your life when did you first hear about Superhuman and what made you decide to, to want to try it? So I have for quite a long time been interested in kind of self-improvement and just making myself feel like a better person. I've kind of explored meditation a bit before, but never really got into it. But I ha- I was kind of regularly into yoga and other ways of trying to find some kind of mental balance from everyday life during pregnancy and lockdown, all kind of that went to the wayside. And then in the newborn days of having a baby, I had so much going on in myself that, you know, it was kind of always in the back of my mind that I needed to look after my mental health, but never at the forefront of my attention because I had so much going on. I had followed you on Instagram for quite a long time and I'd seen that you'd been on your own kind of self-improvement journey and it was something I had been interested in following. I had read about, you know, about your Mimi method and your kind of own story and that kind of thing. And I'd seen your app, which was quite new back then, Superhuman. Um, And I'd followed on the Instagram page and, you know... It was after I started taking medication at the GP and I had a bit more clarity and a bit more mental capacity to take something on that I had seen a post or a story or something on the superhuman socials, Instagram or whatever. And it was it was these walking meditations. So I was like, walking? Well, I walk all the time, right? I have a newborn baby. I don't have time to sit down and meditate. Like who's got 10 minutes to sit down in a quiet place when you've got a baby? Nobody. Um, But walking, oh my God, I walk constantly because Felix was a bad sleeper back then. So I would just walk around with him for hours (laughs) through the city, listening to podcasts. But I was like, 
I need to try this. Like if I can meditate whilst I'm walking, then why not give it a go? You had like a two week free trial. I was like, I'm going to go in. And I already knew from early on from getting my diagnosis, starting on medication, I was started on antidepressants, but I was also started on a sedative just to try and take the edge off my anxiety and the kind Mm -hmm. of nightmares I was having and that kind of thing and that was a medication I I really didn't want to be on long term not because there's anything wrong with it but just for myself I knew that I wanted to get off of those medications I wanted to find a way to balance my mind and my thoughts without having to use medication long term if I could do so I thought two weeks free trial I'm gonna just why not I'm gonna give it a go I've got all the time in the world when I'm walking you know I was hours and hours a day I was walking. So I was like, this is perfect. So yeah, that was when I started. And it was probably about a few weeks after I started the medication. Um, right. that I thought I'm in the right headspace to take something on that's for me, the only yes. thing at the time that was for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I must say that that mix of Western and Eastern modalities, you know, Western being more so modern medicine, which saves lives every day and is so important. And also doing things from a holistic perspective, like the mental work and the personal development work and all of that. I think that's such a great marriage to use together, especially when you're going through something like this. So I'm so glad that that you did them at the same time too. And I'm curious to know, why did you really think you were open to trying it? You had, you know, opened a new chapter in your life. You were feeling motivated again, it seems. But really, it was just that convenience of, I could do this while walking, or was there anything else? I mean, the convenience was definitely a major player at the time because I just had no time to myself. The other motivation was to try and kind of curate a pocket of time for myself and like feel for it to feel like a bit of self-care that I was doing something for me. I'd gone from a very me-orientated lifestyle, (laughs) I have to admit. So I'd gone from doing everything for myself, exactly how I wanted it, to absolutely not having a moment in the day for myself. And I really thought if I could kind of curate a space in my day that was just for me and it felt like self-care, then that would also help me. Right. So do you remember the first meditation that you did? Do you know what? I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I went really hard those first two weeks. (laughs) So I was doing them back to back, like listening to most of them, I think. Um, Wow. And... Yeah. I mean, I was also doing a lot of the seated meditations, but just doing them walking as well. Yeah. And I really liked the ones like the golden energy manifestation ones. I really liked the feeling of like rechanneling my thoughts. I'd been so caught up in this box, going in these circles of the same thoughts. I can't do this. What's wrong with me? Who am I? That to be able to kind of realign what I was thinking about felt like a holiday, you know, to, to almost be like thinking about this positive energy and thinking about it, like going down my head and down my shoulders and like having that focus to completely realign my thoughts. Yeah. Felt nice. <laughs> so it's incredible that you stayed that committed and did so many 
of the meditations during that two-week period. A lot of people will purchase something or download an app or buy a planner or start a workout program or do something they know is good, but they don't commit to it and they, they do it for a day and then they never do it again. How did you commit to it? Because that's incredible that at this time in your life where you're already vulnerable, really making that decision to do something like this for yourself, that is so commendable. And I'm just curious to know what was going through your mind at that time. How did you stay committed? Because everyone listening right now, including myself, you know, we want to do good things for ourselves. And sometimes it's really hard to stay committed. I'd love to hear this from you because this is incredibly inspiring. You being at this point, being able to be so committed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have a straight answer for that, you know, Uh, I guess it worked. And I felt like, I felt like I'd been so desperate for a way to like realign with myself. And and it was giving me that. And I, I had the the time I'd kind of committed to doing it whilst I was walking and I knew that I was doing that for hours on end every day and after doing it for a few days the feeling of refocusing my thoughts and almost like retraining my mind I guess it just worked for me Yeah. yeah you feel really different especially when you do a lot of them in a short period of time you just feel completely different so it it can be addictive for sure I have say like I was I was surprised <laughs> I was surprised how much I kind of liked it and how much I got into it definitely I wasn't I was kind of expecting just to do the two-week trial and then that'd be the end of it but it was only yeah. the beginning <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been using it now I guess a year and a half it seems yeah about a year and a half just just less I think yeah how do you think it's helped you with your postnatal depression and anxiety Yeah. So I think, like I was just saying, kind of retraining my mind has been a massive part of my recovery. I think spending those first six months in such a dark place, the way that my mind was working had become kind of unrecognizable to me. I was no longer thinking about things that I previously had thought about, the future and what I wanted, who I wanted to be. You know, I was no longer thinking about those things. And so to be listening to the meditations and to be kind of realigning with myself and also thinking about how I wanted things to be in the future really benefited me at the time. It it was what my mind needed as a kind of distraction or just like a path to realign me and you know these um a lot of your meditations say you know you're exactly where you need to be and coming out the other side of it now I feel like that is so right it's there's so much in that all those months where things were so difficult and the months then that I was in recovery and I was doing the meditations I was taking the medications I really was exactly where I needed to be and there's so many lessons to be learned in that. I really right. resonated with that with that, that kind of little yeah. saying, you know, you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. And I thought, do you know, like maybe I am, maybe I am exactly where I need to be. And, and the future's much brighter and I'm going to have learned so many lessons from this. It's the best mentality to have because that belief of I'm exactly where I need to be, it 
allows any anxiety and stress to just float away because anxiety is either worrying about the future or worrying about the past or anticipating something. So just feeling that confidence that you're right here, you're right now, and you're exactly in the perfect spot that you need to be. I think that's such a special belief. And that's why I say it all the time because it's changed my life too. So I'm really happy that had that effect. It's so true, you know, when you when you really think about it. And also when you think about it in hindsight, you know, when you think that was a really hard place, but look where I am now and what it brought me. Right. So just out of curiosity, which categories of meditations on superhuman are the most helpful to you? Is it still the walking ones or using the seated ones while walking? It's still the walking meditations. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do them every morning whilst I'm walking with Felix. I have recently moved on to the writing meditations. Now with a two-year-old, I do get a bit more time to myself. (laughs) Um, And I find these really, really powerful in kind of organizing my thoughts and keeping things that trigger me at bay kind of writing things down and then closing the book. (laughs) You know, you don't have to look back on it. Um, But putting those things down on paper can be really good to organize the way that you think, you know, and recovery from things like depression. It's not linear. You have good days and you have bad days. And the bad days are the ones where you have to work that bit harder and writing down things that worry you, that bother you, that trigger you can really help to organize them. So when you look back on your experience with postnatal depression, what has stayed with you the most? What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Yeah, so to look out for each other, for sure, definitely. My attitude towards new mums is completely different. I had no idea what people might be going through until this has happened to me. Be kind to each other because everyone's you know, battling something that you don't know about. Mental health problems are invisible, you know. There's a lot of people that didn't know, but still probably don't know that I ever went through these things that I went through. They are invisible and more people than we know are having battles like this. So you really have to be kind and you have to look out for each other. Yeah. What kind of advice do you give other women dealing with this as well? Yeah, to try and connect with each other. I think something else that I learned from kind of bringing a baby up in a country that's not my home country is that you really need a village. (laughs) It's true what they say. Um, You need a community and you need people to talk to, laugh with, people on the same life journey as you. And um, my main advice is to connect with each other. I'm working now to put a mama meetup group together just to try and bring women together and talk about things that we think we're not supposed to talk about you know share our stories share our struggles like a safe space where it's okay to say I'm not good like I'm not feeling good be able to finish that conversation right what's your favorite thing about being a mom these days (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah I've I've really settled into it now and I love being a mom now watching a little person grow and exploring the world through their eyes is um quite a crazy thing (laughs) you know I was never I I never think I was very maternal I was always kind of on the fence about whether I even have children and now I can't imagine life without him I think it's just 
the most incredible journey. Right. That's beautiful. I want to thank you again, Gemma, for generously sharing your story with us. I have no doubt that it will help someone listening. And you're so brave for sharing it. You're so brave for going through that. And I just think you're such an inspiration. And I'm just so happy for you for, you know, really realizing, um, you know, now that it was all just something to make you stronger, which is such an incredible mindset to have. So just congratulations because you've done incredibly well. And I'm just so grateful we got to have this conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving me some of your time to talk about it. Oh my gosh, of course. I wish I could give you a big hug right now. (laughs) I know, I know. Virtual hugs, virtual hugs. (laughs) Virtual hugs. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much, Gemma. This was great. If I don't know if you want to share this, but if anyone wants to connect with you, like, do you have an Instagram you want to share? It's okay if not, but <laughs> just want to put that out there. Uh, yeah. Well, my um, Mama Meetup concept in Amsterdam is starting next month, which is really exciting. So I'm just uh, trying to reach out to mums that were maybe in a similar situation to me and connect people. And yeah, it's on socials and um, Mama Social Amsterdam. Mama Social Amsterdam on Instagram. That's me. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, if anyone resonates, uh, go check out Gemma there and reach out. And I hope everyone has an incredible rest of your day. Thank you so much again, Gemma. That is all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, or leave a rating. This really helps the show and it helps us bring you more of the conversations that you crave. Bye for now.